Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Alana. And welcome to another installment of Black and Yellow. Yeah. So happy to have you back with us. If you listened in last week, we were talking about Asian female stereotypes that persist in the media. And so today we are talking about stereotypes that plague African-American women in today's media. Correct. And I have to say, Jackie, growing up as a in the 90s, a product of the 90s, I consider myself pretty lucky. Because there were a lot of African-Americans on major network television. Uh, I remember growing up watching shows like Moesha, Sister, Sister, Absolutely. In Living Color, Girlfriends. Not exactly when I was a kid because yeah, it was more, more mature. Sure, older. Yeah. But I remember watching reruns of it, I would say, into my later teen years and being like, yo, black Black people were on a roll. Like, we were all over TV. Yeah, already, right? In the 90s. Right. Martin was on. Hanging with Mr. Cooper was on. Smart Guy was on. You had all these great... Uh, these great depictions of African-American yeah. people. Fresh Prince. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. How can I forget about right. Fresh Prince? The best show ever. Right. Um, and then the, the early aughts came in, and it was almost like a racial cleansing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, black people. You've served your part. Enough. Goodbye now. Yeah. <laughs> on to the next one. Time for Dawson's Creek. Um, <laughs> yeah, one Tree Hill, we're gonna beach. Oh go goodness! On and on and on and I on. think I'm I'm like blinded by the white. I think I need sunglasses. <laughs> um, however, today we're gonna talk about some of these stereotypes that still seem to persist in our in our media. modern media. Absolutely. Um, things like the angry black woman or the sapphire. I think that's a that trope is used interchangeably. Right. The. Uh, Crack cocaine addicted, poor black mom. Jesus, the welfare queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a new one as of late, the black Barbie doll Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. I had never ever thought about that as something, but apparently it is. Yeah, I didn't really know it was a thing until I started researching for this show. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that feeling of like all. But see, you, you, you say black Barbie and it's like I know instantly what you're talking about. So I don't I didn't even have to like think twice. Mm hmm. Because it exists, but I, I didn't I didn't group it together as something that is portrayed. And but it's apparently so interesting because you mentioned it to me and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yes, I think I know what she's talking yeah. about. Uh-huh. First yeah. I went, oh, my God, Tyra Banks in that one Barbie movie. I loved her. And then I went, no, no, no. <laughs> well, let's her. just start there. <laughs> Let, let's let's start with the black Barbie <gasps> trope since um, since we're already talking about it. Yeah, because I think it's the most interesting and I think the most it's, it, it's the most. Yeah, the most recent to come out of all this sort of stereotype. Yeah, definitely. So as we know. Barbie doll, in essence, uh, everyone, every female that I know grew up playing with their Barbie dolls. And Barbie was was an icon and for a it lot was. of ways, in a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons, um, Barbie sort of depicted this aspirational lifestyle that women, young and old, want to live. Right. No matter what color you were. Absolutely. And, and also physically, you know, just being perfect and right i mean if she was a real person they you know she'd fall over because her head's big and her boobs are too big or she would be thought of as having anorexia right ways way too skinny skinny. i think they've they've gotten better at that definitely Um, and i find myself really lucky because i had a really woke mom that only let me play with black barbie dolls really yeah my mom was was the legit mom that would go to uh, wherever I would say Toys R Us, Target, whoever sold Barbies, right. and she was in the know enough to know that at the time Mattel did produce African American Barbie dolls. 
they were just all the way in the back of the aisle. So you, would, uh, so she would basically go to whatever Barbie doll I wanted, and she would obviously see the white ones, and she would just dig and dig and dig because there always were a couple of black ones shoved all the way in the back, <laughs> and those oh were always God. the ones that my mom let me play with. And at the she dug them out for you. She dug them out. <laughs> and don't get it twisted. Like when I was a kid, I just wanted to play with the dolls that all my other friends had, which yes, were i.e. the white ones. Here. You know, I, I didn't grow up with Barbies. I know oh. you just said, you you know, girls like, like I, to be honest, I maybe had two Barbie dolls that I actually got as gifts. My mom wouldn't let me play with Barbies. Mm. I had a cousin who had like 40 Barbies. And every time I went over to her house, I would go nuts. I would, I would, I would play with them for hours and I couldn't get enough. And then I finally got this one Barbie, which might have been a knockoff Barbie. And I remember a like Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I remember cutting off all her hair. And I remember like wondering, like, you know, like seeing her blue eyes and being mm. like, hmm, she's got really big eyes. What's up with that? Like all this stuff. Yeah. And, and I like you said you're grateful that your mom let you play with black Barbies. I'm grateful my mom didn't let me play with Barbies in, oh, in wow. that sense because because I, I, I saw how it affected me when I would play with my cousin's Barbies. Like it was almost addictive. Like I needed to like like play with them and blah blah and like I just I knew at a young age like how that wasn't like healthy. Yeah. Now looking back, um yeah, my sister, I have a younger sister and she has like fifty Barbies and I and I, it's not healthy. It's just not. That's so interesting because yeah. I, I'm really happy that I grew up playing with Barbie dolls because Barbie was a career woman. Barbie worked and right. was educated and had a job yeah. and a cool car and always had a boyfriend. Yeah. And I was like, Ken. I want to be like Barbie. You know what I mean? And that was their message, you know? For and sure. It, and it worked. Definitely. Yeah. And so now, flash forward, with the rise of uh, reality TV, we see this, this black Barbie doll syndrome. And it's very much, um, essentially, African-American women with surgically enhanced butts and boobs, long, silky weaves, eyelashes that go from here to who knows where. <laughs> um, and really, and I would say, like, fairer to lighter black skin. Yes, As definitely. opposed to darker skin. Yes, and um, when you mentioned when you mentioned this this trope to me originally, I had to stop and think like, where did this come from? Right. What are you know what are the the roots of this yeah. stereotype? And right. I think it's rooted in reality TV. Definitely. So let me just define the Barbie syndrome just so we're all on the same page. So the Barbie syndrome uh, is defined as the aspiration to mimic the physical appearance and glamour lifestyle of the Barbie doll. Though the image is thought to be more visible among adolescent females, it has become a rather disturbing standard of a new brand of young urban women who are perpetually 21. The defining characteristic of a Barbie doll is unadulterated adolescent, sorry, unadulterated innocence of youth, body proportions, once thought of as anorexic, and an angelic face waiting upon a chivalrous knight eager to fulfill her fantasies at a competitive market rate. So I could see how the beginnings of this trope are rooted in reality TV. Yeah. Because if you think about it, we there are these reality TV shows housewives. that we love, Real Housewives franchise, Love and Hip Hop, Love yeah. and Basketball. I would even go as far to say Bad Girls Club, some some former cast members of the Bad Girls Club. 
Um, but a lot of these reality TV shows are showing women living their quote unquote best life, right. the life that we aspire to have. A lot right. of these women are successful or at least married to successful people. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of money. They, they drive a strong career, drive amazing cars. They only drink wine. They look beautiful they all the eat time. Anything else. Exactly. And, um, and, and it makes you sort of think, okay, did this trope start with African-American women wanting to compete with their white counterparts? So they felt like they had to look like and present the way that their white counterparts do, mm-hmm. i.e. designer clothing, right. long silky weaves, the eyelashes from here to who knows what, the face full of makeup, perfectly sculpted facial features, yes. or... Did it come from the the standards of appearance that these reality shows have? I think it's a little bit of both. I think if you are an African-American woman who is successful, who is also married to a very successful, wealthy man, and you have your career and you have everything, and your community, your surrounding is all these types of women mm-hmm. that are also majority white, you're they're going to eventually just do and look and say similar things because that's their that's that's where they they're from essentially you know yeah and then I, it doesn't help when these uh reality tv shows only portray that yeah definitely right? i was gonna say I, i'm thinking of uh real housewives of atlanta my favorite of that entire franchise but i am I thinking bet. about how all the cast members while they might have some like build and body differences, they do sort of all present the same way. Yes. Like I don't see any sort of um, clear individuality. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking They're back. grouped together yeah, as definitely. that. And in my mind, I have a picture of the reunions. Mm-hmm. You know, when you like, when they open up on Andy Cohen and there's a pan yeah. shot of all the housewives <laughs> and they all kind of look like pageant queens or yeah. Barbie dolls. Yeah, like, it's like that's the standard. Right. And they're going to live up to it because if not, then, you know, they'll get, they'll get shunned. And, right. You know, because you can't, what happens. you can't, you can't have natural hair and be on that show unless you're Cynthia Bailey who can do like absolutely <laughs> no wrong. But it does seem like we, we are selling this idea, this, this trope yeah. to young African-American right. women that look, you can, you can maintain your individuality, but you're just not going to be seen as chic and right. and and classy. Or right. you could go this way and you can maintain your individuality. But you can't be involved in this world. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's like pick your poison. Which right. extreme do you want? Do you want to be and included or do you not want to be included? And I think it's, it's, it's tough on the women, the younger women, I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. especially in today's world where social media and and all kinds of of TV shows are not portraying the the best side of these women, Um, where I do think young women are more vulnerable to absorb this negativity and and feel uncomfortable as to not knowing why they feel like they have to also represent themselves like that. Right. I mean, I think that younger women, when I say younger, I'll say 15 to 20, that age demographic, especially for young African-American women, their intake of media is so high. It's yeah, they're much consuming higher. way more social media and media than their mothers and their than any. I mean, any generation nowadays. You for know, for sure. And it feels like we're not giving them equally balanced uh, models. Yeah, I mean, I would much rather hand them novels about for strong sure. black women figure and plays and and expose them to other stuff if I. Ha- was black and had a black daughter, <laughs> which if I they don't. would listen to you. <laughs> but you know, uh, unfortunately, 
through social media and just whatever's going to be on television, they are exposed to these negative extreme sides mm-hmm. of women who look just like them. Right. And then they feel like they have to live up to that standard at such a young age, which cannot be healthy. For sure. Because you've got the black Barbie on one end. But then if we're going to take it to a whole different extreme, let's take it way back in the day. We'll take it all the way back to the Mamies. Right. If you will. And the Mamies were in older films. They were generally heavy set, damn near obese, darker black women. They weren't very smart. They uh, took care of their white slave owners. Easily replaceable. Easily replaceable. Um, had a really strong faith and were very biblically smart, but not educated and uh, and even really street smart. It was just sort of like they know God. They know how to take care of children. They know how, they how to, to survive. Right. Exactly. But um, but that's kind of all they were. Mm-hmm. And that particular trope is confusing to me because there's not a lot of historical basis uh to to prove that these th- this Mamie trope is really real. Uh, because mm. back in that day, during the slave times, it was really unusual for women of that size, that poor of health, to live past the age of 50. And these women, these, these Mamies that would uh, be portrayed in movies, generally were older. They were not sexual by any means, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and they were like I said before, huge to almost the point of obese, which was also not necessarily true because black people during slave days were not given a ton of food. They had to live off of scraps and live right. off of whatever they could pull together. Yeah. So the idea of having a three or 400 pound uh, uh, big grinned, hearty laughing Betrayed. woman just sort of walking around the house yeah. uh, was was really just not a reality right. of that time. So the the... History does not support the fallacy. Yes. Accurately of what is being portrayed in movies and in television show. And that that that's also a problem because then people just believe what they see. And then if they go dive into research or any African-American who knows their research might say like, hey, that's not true. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's safe to say that the Mamie was there was there to serve the uh, the interest of political, social, and economic white America. Oh, definitely. Yes. It's basically white America's way of saying, no, no, no. Look, uh, you know, they're also important. Yeah, and they're happy know? about it, right? Look at these these women with these big grins and and hearty choidling and their loyal servitude. Oh no, the the Mamie or the the nanny, we'll call them. Uh, there's some humanity to them. Mm-hmm. There's humanity in slavery. Mm-hmm. They liked it. Look at them. They're so happy and mm-hmm. they're just sort of shuffling around and taking care of our family and taking yeah. care of our kids. Right. Never mind the fact that they had kids at home. Right. And who was taking care of their kids? Right. Right. Exactly. They can hire a, a nanny for right. their kids. No. Right. But white America could, and I guess that's really, all, really all that. Mis- right. Though I think the Mamie stereotype doesn't exactly persist in movie and TV the way that it used to. I would say like twenty or thirty years ago. I think that mm. we are slowly growing out of that stereotype. Oh, yeah. I I think we are. I mean, that's why we're talking about this to you guys is because we're just addressing these topics that are very prevalent 
prevalent in today's world, especially with everything changing so quick, so fast. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, realizing that some of the stuff isn't changing as quick and as fast that it could be uh, because some of the stuff is still getting portrayed. And I mean, of course, I'm sure a lot of African-American women want to change it. And and you do see more examples of it today and strong black female characters that have amazing stories being portrayed. So that's great news. I think... I think it's 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 amazing to to see it. Yeah, and I think the Mamie again while it doesn't while the Mamie isn't exactly like the the servant of the household, I think that this trope has evolved from being a loyal servant in the house to maybe a a larger African American woman who's deeply spiritual who um I guess I would call her like the the magical negro, the spiritual negro. I'm thinking of Loretta Divine and Touched by an Angel, hmm. where she is very wise. She's not exactly a sexual character. Right. Um, but she's very sage. She knows the way the world works, and she is there to help the white leads on that show figure out their problems. And that's that's she's still playing that role, but it's shown in a more positive light, I guess. In a way, yeah, I don't, I, don't I, 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 I know what you mean. You know what I mean? What better word, than the other. What word is better than positive? I don't, I don't quite know, but I yeah. think I. It's a little more progressive. Yeah, I think we, we have a ways sense, to go. Definitely, we do. For sure. Yeah. Us black women are not just there to to give you cook. good advice from the Bible, and, cook, yeah. and help you solve your problems. No. <laughs> because then I also wonder, well, what does that say about white America? If there are, you know, if you've, if you've got this, like african-american woman who's there guru. helping you solve your a guru of sorts right helping you know the white leads of television shows right. and movies solve all their problems what what are we saying about white america what they have so many yeah. problems they can't figure it out themselves right like they're not smart enough to yeah to figure it out which is completely untrue i know tons of able-bodied yeah. smart educated white no, men and women that could totally do that right and they also get the, the they then, then then it gets turned on them where you know they didn't raise their kids you know you see in um what's that movie with Octavia Spencer, Viola Davis, the help, where you know you see these rich, oh yeah, you know where you you, you kind of they they're put in a negative light where you're like, oh wow, what kind of mother are you not taking care of your kids, right? You know? And then there's that extreme as well within their own community. That's true because you see the perspective of it from a Mamie or something, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. So that's another thing we could. I'm just you know a little tangent there, there, little devil's advocate here. <laughs> <laughs> so the antithesis of the Mamie would be the hussy or the Jezebel, i.e. the oversexed African-American woman. She is hypersexual. She's fairer in terms of complexion. She's, I guess, is a, a more of a mulatto color, if you mm, will. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like I said, is hypersexualized. Fetishized as well. Totally fetishized. Seen as property, not really. If you want to take it back to the slave, slavery date, you know, it's, they're seen as property. They're not really seen as human beings. Yeah, and I think that, that the... I think that this trope came about, there are a couple of reasons as to why African-American women are hypersexualized. And it actually predates to before slavery. It actually predates to the 1630s when European travelers traveled to Africa. They saw scantily clad women, scantily clad natives, uh, curvy, often topless, just sort of walking around. And they went like, Goo goo eyes. They went crazy. They yes. took that that the lack of clothing, the uh, polygamy at the time. African culture was very uh, was a polygamous culture, and also just their their different dancing and gyrating. They took that for lewdness, mm-hmm. and so that's where the trope really began. Mm. This idea that black women walk around with very little clothing on, 
they have sex with multiple women w- with multiple men excuse me they I'm procreate sure they were having like sex crazy with women too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> i bet they were <laughs> i bet they were <laughs> they're procreating like crazy they must be morally corrupt they must be lewd and they must be hypersexualized right instead or in, instead of seeing you just as like the richness of that culture yeah Right. Definitely. Because they were coming from such a different place where that stuff wasn't allowed. Right. And let us not forget, there was there was actually a word for for uh, I, I don't want to say there was a word for the hypersexualization of black women. But uh, something happened during the 1630s. It was a it was a movement called the Play Cage Movement. And it involved a formal arrangement f- between white suitors or white customers to financially support black women and her kids in exchange for long-term sexual favors. So there was also that happening in the world as well. And they these white customers would meet these often lighter-skinned African-American women prostitutes. They'd meet them at what were called quadroon balls, which were essentially like a refined sex market. Interesting. Yeah. So there was that there was that going on as well definitely during slavery era blacks were sold into prostitution and generally those african americans that were sold into prostitution were mulattoes they were much much lighter in skin and complexion and also freeborn light-skinned black women sometimes became uh the willing concubines of wealthy white southerners so you do have a couple of different factors at play when it comes to how we became hypersexualized yeah i'm not saying it's right i'm just saying that's what it was that's there's what it some is history there definitely um, in 1993, though, sociologist Kay Sue Sewell, she she put a concept to this this Jezebel and she called the Jezebel the, quote, tragic mulatto. Essentially, this character was the antithesis of the Mamie. She was mm. thin lipped, light skinned. She had not so curvaceous hips. She had long hair and she was thought to be the temp- the temptress, uh, constantly lascivious and right. promiscuous. But she was still veiled at like viewed as black 100 percent, right yes yes because during those times if you weren't 100 percent white then you were then you were black right so which then i think put them in a whole different the whole new category sprung of you know of what that could be because you know they weren't fully black they weren't fully white and yeah you couldn't identify one or the other but i think the society at the time was basically saying look you're black, like you're not white. Your right. hair is a different texture than us. Right. Your skin's darker than a yeah. white person would be. So, yeah, I think you're, I think you're black. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty how, much. That's how, that's how they thought back then. Pretty much. And uh, this one, above all, I have a hard time connecting with because my mother was extremely sexually conservative. My mom wouldn't even say the word sex in the house or really? around me. It just made her very uncomfortable. Wow, my mom was the total opposite. Different strokes for different, different but she di- grew up in Brazil. Yeah, so, so different I culture. Also We're also very like, you know, when you talk about you know the women gyrating in the in the topless tops or the the top no wearing no no clothes mm-hmm. and the and the music and everything like, you know, same with Brazilian culture. We're very loud and we have the freedom to be sexual. And anyways, that that's and it's a different culture. That's you know where I come from. And yeah, totally. And I mean, I don't know. I I guess for me, this one was a hard one to sort of wrap my head around because I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. We're hypersexualized. I think it's all because of slavery. And to know that it wasn't all because of slavery, but it was because right. of white European travelers who had to go to Africa. Yeah, and they couldn't resist those voluptuous <laughs> They bodies. couldn't resist it. No, really. I'm like, if I was a white European man, I, I, I wouldn't be able to resist it. But I mean, 
you know, I'm not. So what am I saying? <laughs> I mean, granted, if you put it on the sort of evolutionary, I'm going on a little tangent here, point of view, you know, they're drawn to, you know, knowing that those hips are going to be able to bear their children and, you know, and and continue the lineage. Mm-hmm. But then they're obviously not white. And then they think that the they think with their other head instead mm-hmm. of the other head, you know, <laughs> and then it's like and that becomes a huge problem. And so I wonder if the black Barbie, I wonder if this the modern day sort of take on the Jezebel. I wonder if it starts with the black Barbie and then mm-hmm. sort of goes on to the Jezebel. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's it starts as like really gorgeous, poised women who act, who are still selling sex. Yes. They're like tight Unconsciously. Clothes. They're unconsciously And, and they sex. may be educated and come from a very good, strong family. Right, exactly. Um, but then, but then this, this trope sort of works. Right, yeah. It's interesting. Just a thought. A yeah. little food for thought. <laughs> and it makes me really, really nervous for a young African-American female youth who are seeing these depictions of what they think women right. should be. And, are and, like, and oh. if they don't have strong figures in their households, like you said, mm-hmm. to really, you know, teach them about what it is to be a strong woman and to not let sort of these. I mean, I had I had a very strong mother figure and just growing up being going through puberty and, you know, not being sure of myself. I, I like I felt really insecure and, and, and not so sure about myself. So I can't even imagine what it's like doing that and then being exposed to all this media nowadays. Yeah. It must be, um, I don't know, very uncomfortable. It's really tricky terrain. To it have is. To, Absolutely. To navigate. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're unsure of yourself and your body and all that, you know, and it's not like. I don't know how many of these young women are going or n- they don't they don't seek help in that. I mean, you know, they don't hmm. know that that's something they should or can or. Well, right. Because the more that you see something, the more normalized it becomes. Right. And if all your friends are doing it, then then hey, why shouldn't why you too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, gosh, I know it's a hard one. It is. OK, so we're coming to the big one, Jack. We're coming to, I think, the one stereotype that I personally cannot stand. It plagues every African-American woman everywhere it is the angry black woman stereotype right or it's what's also known as the sapphire um they're kind of used interchangeably but the angry black woman is an american trope that black women are quote sassy ill-mannered and tempered by nature so basically what that means is that uh the angry black woman stereotype thrusts us angry, uh, us women who are of color to basically, it basically undercuts our feelings regardless of where the feelings may come from. The minute that we are angry, we are the angry black woman. Yeah. Regardless of where the feelings are coming from, regardless of how valid or justified the anger might be, we are automatically angry if we display signs of anger. If our voice Mm -hmm. raises to anything more than a whisper, we're considered angry. Yep. Uh, this trope is also known as the sapphire trope. The sapphire trope essentially means it is a domineering woman of color who comes in and usurps the man's place. Uh. She is a workhorse. She can do the job of both male and female. So why do we even need men around? And the undertones of the sapphire trope is that sapphires are also man-hating, subtly man-hating. I see. Which I don't necessarily agree with, but I also didn't realize that... um, the sapphire trope was essentially a sister to the angry black woman trope until I started to research for this particular show. Interesting. Um, And there are, there is history of 
regarding the the angry black woman stereotype. So in Antebellum America, quote, the female slave's chattel status, race, combined to create a complicated set of myths about black women. Black women were involuntarily ascribed characteristics related to their identities in black women and enslaved. So essentially, the stereotype came from black women seeing their families, their husbands, their children, their their parents, their aunts, their uncles, essentially being sold off mm-hmm. right in front of them into slavery. Mm-hmm. And when they are feeling these obvious feelings of anger, of sadness, those feelings were then, uh, were then they were then told those feelings don't matter. This is I the way see. it is. Okay. This is how slavery works. This is life. Yeah. Back you're then. not allowed to feel angry. You cannot feel sad. And if you are feeling angry or sad, angry or sad, it's completely unjustified. Wow. So that's where it starts. Yeah, that's so that's so sad. And I just think to myself, like putting myself in that position, like I would be fucking hella pissed. Yeah. If I saw everything that I ever knew, the foundation of my life completely sold off. Right. And then to be told like, oh, but those feelings don't matter. Mm -hmm. It It, must be so invalidating. And depending on what age you are on, that can cause a lot of trauma. Right. And and it can uh, allow someone to become sort of. Um, scarred for life and right. and and where they're not able to express themselves freely and fully mm-hmm. and 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 uh and 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 then so i don't know maybe it gets ex- it gets expelled in a different way you know maybe. if it gets expelled at all i mean everyone right. deals with anger differently and i know for me like if i'm ever getting fired up about something i in my mind i feel like i have to put a disclaimer on the feelings that i'm feeling so if I'm getting fired up about something, I'm getting really excited. I have to say, I feel like I have to say, I'm so sorry that I'm screaming. I'm just really excited about X, Y, and Z as a way of like laying, like letting people oh, know, really? like, oh, she's not angry. She's just excited. Like, I feel like I have to let people know how I'm feeling before actually feeling it. So as what? to not fall into the really? trap of being the angry black woman. Absolutely. And when do you, how did, how did this start to happen for you? I think it was somewhere around like middle school. Yeah, I'll say middle school because I was just playing pissed off in high school. But I would say around <laughs> middle school, I started to, I had mostly white friends and would look around at, to my white girlfriends specifically and notice that when they showed anger or sadness or frustration or whatever, they, they didn't have to say anything about it. But when I showed mm. that exact same emotion, I was immediately reprimanded for it and starting to think, hmm, okay, well, how can I show my emotions in a healthy way right. and not get reprimanded. Right. And I think it just, that was where it came from. It was just socially not acceptable yeah. to to let those colors out. Right. Yeah. You couldn't let your tr- I felt like I couldn't let my true colors right. show. Right. And so going through high school, just like being straight up pissed and probably like a very typical high school bitch. And then finally getting to college and learning like, okay, being angry and being fired up and hostile doesn't work for you because no no matter how justified your feelings are, you're always going to be the angry black woman. Yeah, no one's going to like that. Yeah, like I started to change my Regardless if you're not like black or whatever, just being angry in general is not something that yeah and i think that our modern day society doesn't like angry women period like i think that there there is a a a sect of our society yeah men specifically that when they see an angry woman regardless of what color she is it's like "Mm -mm -mm, right you're not performing your gender properly right or a lot of men it's like 
oh shit, she reminds me of my mom. Like, let yeah. me get as far away from this as possible. Absolutely. Fuck that. You Definitely. Know? Oh, I never thought about yeah. that. It's it's also that. It's like, yo, you, I have a mom already. I don't need a second mom. Right. You know? Exactly. But, like, let me just let me get away from this. I don't need this. But I feel like the burden of not really being able to fully express our emotions. Oh, anger yeah. Specifically. Right. Is one that every black woman, no matter how old she is, has to overcome. When I say that, whenever I go and, and babysit my younger cousin, Carlin, who's about a good six or seven and I watch her and some of her friends, I definitely start to see the like seedlings of up, up, this girl's angry, this girl's mm. mad. And I see the wheels turning as right. to how how to navigate that minefield without right. getting in trouble. Yes. And how to do it like healthily yeah. in, in, a, in, in a weird way, but, you know, to express those emotions healthily. And I feel sad. Yeah. I feel sad for, for those young girls. Because I, I know mean, that when they go to school, I know that they're seeing little Becky or little Sarah Beth throwing a fucking fit and they may know, not feel like they can do the same. Right. Yeah. I've definitely been there, especially growing up, yeah. being pulled out of class for putting on the dramatics or just being told like Alana, get it together. Uh huh. But I would see then other friends of mine who were white. And they like, got away with it. Oh, all the time. Yeah. That's I mean. That's and it starts an internal struggle because you're like, well, what is it about me right. that I can't express my anger, but but they can mm-hmm. and they're acting a fucking fool. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sort of upset and kind of crying. Right. Oh, baby Alana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I wish I could give a reason. I, I wish I could give a way to overcome that stereotype yeah because to say oh well just don't be angry is not no that that, and that's not constructive at all because no definitely you know anger comes up it's not like something you can just say oh i'm not gonna feel this way like it's impossible you can't and i wish i could say like you know just don't feel self-conscious about your anger but i can't really say that either right you know yeah i mean i think like you said it does stem from a much deep rooted issue Mm -hmm. uh which may happen just in childhood like being raised maybe in a very conservative home where you didn't see your parents showing not saying you specifically but people yeah (laughs) didn't see a lot of their uh, same with you know in in an asian household you know it's like everything gets shoved under the rug no one expresses their emotion even when something crazy happens like parents divorcing or the father cheated on the mom or the mom nothing you know Mm -hmm. it happens in any race, in any family, it's like a human thing. Right. And and as you grow up, you you realize that, oh, this is, it's a learned behavior right. that we learn. And when you're growing up, you can't help it. You want to, you have to let these emotions out. Totally. And so just going back to the angry black woman uh, trope is just, I think, I think there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Because these women had to really fight for their families. They had they to survive. Majorly oppressed. majorly oppressed. They had to deal with being fetishized and sexualized and poor and so on and so forth. And maybe having five kids and a husband who was a drunk. I don't know. They become these really strong female characters. And with that comes that really strong side of their anger. True. And when media constantly portrays that over and over and over again... It, it doesn't help because, no. you know, not all black women are just angry. <laughs> no. You know? And and it also, if we're too strong, you know, because I feel like the word Then that also strong, becomes a problem. Then that also becomes a problem, right? too, like, because who's gonna we're not wa- vulnerable right. enough. If we're too strong, we're not vulnerable. If we're too strong, some people might take that as hard to deal with, mm-hmm. perhaps a bit argumentative, mm-hmm. too intense. Right. 
So it's like, well, we just can't win. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I think on te- like television is portraying a good a, a lot of strong female black characters that have a lot of major character flaws and that are broken in some ways. And I think shining the light on that is is getting better. Like they're just human and they're trying to navigate throughout this life. Yeah. And they may be really strong in the office, but at home they come home and they they break down, you know, or so yeah. on. You know, it's getting a little bit more real, more grounded in reality, as I like to call it. But you know, it's it's something that I'm sure African American women are still fighting to this day, and I think we'll be fighting it forever. And I, when you hearing you talk about that, I just thought of Viola Davis and yeah. how to get away with murder. Yeah. Whereas I don't know if I would qualify her as the quote angry black woman. Right. I don't think she's screaming no. in public and yelling obscenities, but she's definitely the vindictive black woman. Yes, you get that's in her tr- way, she will God knock bless you down. You. you are not coming out the other side <laughs> no, well at all. <laughs> no. Um, but she does have that really vulnerable soft side. When right. she is home alone, she does break down. Which it's is not like beautiful a to see. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And I feel like a good way to, like with all these, we're going to tackle a couple more, but just like as we had, we talked about in our other episode about the Asian women, how they're portrayed in media, it's Shonda Rhimes has done a great job at writing these characters that are just human. Definitely. You know, they're yeah. not of any color. She happens to do a wonderful job at blind casting, but but you know, still that they're just they're just human beings with flaws. And that's what yeah. we kind of all are. We're all dealing with it on a day to day basis. They're nuanced, mm-hmm. aren't we all? Right. Uh, another stereotype that we want to talk about is the the myth of the crackhead, the crackhead stereotype. She's the single mom, grows up in a, a lower income neighborhood, becomes poor, a, poor becomes a mom, not educated, super duper young, yep. education levels not very high, nope. life all around her just sort of sucks, and <laughs> she needs a release. And it comes in the form of a crack rock. Right. Which is cheap. So you can get it, you know, all right. the time, anywhere. I don't know how this stereotype has followed our community for as long as it has. But I it mean, still persists. It does. And it, I mean, it does, like you were saying, how this kind of the degeneration of being addicted to the crack cocaine did start in a predominantly Latino and African American community. Yeah, definitely. Um, Lower income for sure. And, and movies do portray that and i think you saw that in moonlight for sure you yeah. saw that in precious absolutely you see it along the lines of many many tv shows and movies and i think there's truth to that because it's part of uh history it i is guess part you could of say. Our it is yeah. part the of the history crack epi- epidemic was a real thing for sure it just it just seems like when they are essentially selling this to the consumers mm-hmm consumers have to not think twice they have to just buy it yeah right otherwise right. why how would we how are we going to get the ratings for the tv show how are we going to get the ratings for the movie? who's going to come watch the movie yeah and and let me let it be known that the crackhead isn't always a sad character the crackhead right. could also be a comic foil i am thinking of felicia in friday i hello oh, bye yeah. felicia yeah. like she was a funny crackhead she was but she was also treated with such little respect. Right. No one liked Felicia. No one wanted her around. She was the the sister of Nia Long's character who was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like Nia Long's character. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's educated. Right. And then you got Felicia over here. Like, uh, who, who knows how they're related? Right. <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and this stereotype bothers me the most is because I've never met or known a crackhead. 
Yeah, neither have I've, I. I've never met or known one. But ever. granted, neither you and I grew up in a very this low is true. income. You have to consider that. You know, That's our true. surroundings or education were very much different from from that that area. You I know, hear you. We're blessed. No, definitely. I just we're very lucky. I, this one I think is is slowly fading out as crack yeah. is becoming less it and is. less of a of a go to drug. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like oh, there's so many of, different kinds of drugs nowadays. There are so many, yeah. but I feel like cr- weed has sort of taken the place of crack yes. in in our black community yes. where it's it's not fly to be high on crack. Right. I but mean, it's cool to like get stoned on a little bit of the ganj. Right. But to go straight to that, I'm not so sure. <laughs> not something like, oh, yeah, I want to do some crack tonight. Nope. No, <laughs> no, thanks. no, no, no. I, w- I would definitely stop yeah. in, in. I mean, that also world first. That also goes to show with a lot of artists, they want to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like the first thing most artists want to do. They want to they want to tell their story where they came from, how they came to be, how they ended up here. And it is really inspirational. For sure. Like Moonlight. And so. When when you put when you put that in the form of art like that, I do I do buy it. I love it. I respect it. I love the art form. Mm-hmm. But I think when it's something just to sort of write in because it's going to make something more interesting or more attractive of that sort, mm-hmm. then then I don't buy it. You know, agree. Just because you just because this person's black, might as well make them a. Why don't we just heighten the stakes? You know, by by putting this person who's a druggie and they might as well be black, then that becomes a problem, right? You know, and I think with the crackhead stereotype, you then inevitably go into the convict stereotype. Yeah, easily because crack is an uh, is an illegal drug, right? And gen- generally, if you're participating heavily in illegal drugs, you will get caught up in illegal activity. Yeah. Um. So then we're we're then portrayed as drug addicted and convicts. Right. Great. Awesome. Yeah. There you go. It was. I you think can. it was Taraji Henson when she won the the Golden Globe. Was it? Yeah. I for think so. uh, uh, Empire. For Empire. Duh. I'm thinking of Cookie. I was gonna say for Cookie. I know. When she won <laughs> for uh, portraying Cookie Lion as em- on Empire, she she sort of like she kind of yeah she called it out she definitely called it out like all i had to do was you know play an ex-convict to uh, travel around the world yeah so i might as well just play you know geisha and i'll 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 be up there and winning my oscar like i guess like (laughs) i just i think we've come so far Mm -hmm. which is amazing and so i think because we've come so far now there is so much diversity in television and in the arts and media that i don't see the the necessity to necessarily necessarily necessity <laughs> um let me just keep saying those words um to have to like like you like she said that, that i don't feel like i have to play a geisha in order to like go beyond you know if any i mean in my career if i am serving the truth and it's someone else's story and that's what they experience then yes i'm all for it for the sake of art mm-hmm. but if it's just something that's you know I don't know, written in for the sake of drama. If it's like folded into the plot, like it's an right. integral part of the right. plot. Like I hear what you're you saying. Know, then, and, and that happens. Yeah. You know? I think that we have come a long way. I think we have a long, long way to go. We do. But I think we're getting there. We are. I think that there are shows And it's that really are, exciting. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the one show that comes to mind that I think is just getting it right for me is Insecure. Like all oh, hail yeah. Issa Rae. Yeah. 
Yvonne Orji, oh, Jay Ellis, like seriously, just all hail the three of them. But really, at the mm-hmm. helm, it's Issa Rae. And, and I mean, she started this like years ago. Yeah, like six, almost a decade ago she on did. YouTube, having she her own did. web series. She was way ahead of you the know, curve. Like, I'm she just gonna do up. my own thing. I'm an insecure black girl. Let me talk about it. Yeah, and let you me know? portray nuanced black characters right. who are just living and existing, right, and breathing. Yeah, they're not nothing more. Right, they're not whores. We're like, not gonna find like in season 10 all of a sudden we figure out that she has this whole crack history like right, exactly. you know <laughs> like I, I don't think that that's that's part of Issa Rae's no, backstory not at all character wise but I love this show I cannot stop singing its praises because I think that she gets so much of it right so much she of does. the nuance mm-hmm. of, the, of the characters so much of the the sort of small um real elements the, yeah <laughs> the small real almost like side stories oh, that she right. even tells that maybe it's not so relatable integral to the plot but are super relatable mm-hmm. to me as a woman of color yeah. i whenever i watch an episode i always walk away going like yes finally someone someone someone, <laughs> <laughs> someone knows and yeah. someone is is portraying a real yeah. depiction of what it is like to be black in right. america and it makes a difference Oh, it makes a huge, huge difference. But she's also not, she's not the only one. There's also no. Being Mary Jane on BET, which oh, stars Gabrielle yes. Union, which is another great show. Yeah, that's show. been on for a couple of seasons, it right? It has been, and yeah. it's great. It's super well written. She's a black career woman just existing. Sorry, guys. Sorry for <laughs> laughing. Our board operator is eating corn Literally, out of can. Literally, Ivan has eaten a peach, <laughs> oh and then he came back and ate a baby, what's that cheese ball? A baby mozzarella stick. Oh, my goodness. And now he's just straight up eating a can of corn. Mind just you guys. talking about black women stereotypes make you hungry, Ivan. He just wants to make <laughs> you some sweet corn. <laughs> Oh um, my god! Yeah, being Mary Jane on BET, it's getting it right on a lot of different levels. If you have, if you've watched Insecure but not being Mary Jane, watch them both and make the black woman in your heart just super happy because both <laughs> of those shows. Because everybody's got a black woman in your heart, hey man. Everybody's got a black woman <laughs> somewhere up in somewhere. Them. She's waiting to be set free. Um, but both of those shows get it super duper right. Yeah. And I mean, Scandal, I think, is another. Is Scandal still on? It is. It is. Yeah. I think Scandal is another good show. It's mm-hmm. a network show, so I think they can only take so many liberties. Yeah. But I think Scandal is another good example of showing a nuanced black character. Definitely. Any show that Shonda Rhimes right. writes yeah. is, shows nuanced black characters. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I know that I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Represent him anyways. I think Tyler Perry is getting, doing a, a good job for the black community as well. Oh, hell. Yeah, Tyler Perry gets a lot of heat for for not depicting African-Americans well. And I think that there are some movies that I would agree with that with his TV shows, though, do a really good job of of depicting true African-American right. people on, just living and existing. And that's just he he has a bunch of I know he has a couple of TV shows on own, right? On Oprah's yes, network. He does. Which is also awesome. You have a black woman in power owning sure. her own network. Definitely. I mean, come on, that's just amazing mm-hmm. in itself. Greenleaf is another good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on the OWN Network as well. It's got a great African-American cast telling really true 
believable, real, honest stories, stories about what it is like to be an African American person within the confines of one of those big black mega churches. Mm, you know I those see. churches in the South that make millions of dollars a year, yep. and you're like, wait a minute, you're a church. Yeah, where's that money going? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You don't um, pay taxes for sure. <laughs> so I think there's a lot. It, we we are going places. I think we we still have a yeah. long way to go, and yeah. I think it starts with I think it starts with us and younger. The tweens are definitely stepping up and using social media right to their advantage that's a really great platform for them and they're getting their ideas out there they're getting their creations out there yep. be it youtube be yep. it uh the gram yep. be it twitter whatever uh definitely. tweens are like definitely taking the reins on this yeah one. i think the whole millennials just yeah. owning their stories and wanting to tell uh, you know as, i feel like as artists as long as you're telling the truth mm-hmm. in some shape or form then then you'll be successful you know um with that being said, you know, there's still a lot that we need to tackle, but, but I think we're headed in a good direction and there's going to be a lot of push and pull. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's super exciting and, and I think it it makes for really good art that's gonna, and, and in general, I mean, I'm sure people who want to see things like you, you want it, like you talking about insecure and, you know, being Mary Jane, I mean, where were those shows 10 years ago, you know? And now yeah. they're here. And it's 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 really it's really exciting. They weren't around. Sex yeah. in the City was around 10 years ago. And as much as I love as that show. As liberating as that show was. As liberating as that was show like, was, mm. it did not depict uh, women of color. It rarely depicted women. women of color or Asian women. At all. And you're in New At York. All. Which right. is like so eclectic. So many different ethnicities. Right. You know, you got Flushing. You got Queens. You got, the, like, come on. Like, yeah, just, you've got Brooklyn. Like, yeah. you've got a ton of color up in New York. And so Sex and the City really... Really missed girls. that mark. Uh, and then, oh my God, yeah. So, girls. so we're not going to get into it. Girls totally missed that mark. I don't, you know, I think it's ever since Girls went off the air, I will no longer believe a show that is set in a big metropolis like Los Angeles or like New York City or Chicago if it doesn't have at least one or two people of color. Yeah. I will no longer how, believe Yeah, like how show. is that even possible? You, I will no longer believe it. I will no longer watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to play into that for yeah, sure. How, like how? I just, I don't understand. I mean, I understand it, but I, you know, I well, don't understand. Well, and I think the how, I remember reading an article from Shonda Rhimes and she said that writers write what they know. And so if you which are is, a, yeah. which is valid. Right. So if you're a white writer, you're going to white about white you're gonna, you're, you're gonna white about white, white. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what you know. But I think that it. I think that in this day and age, in 2017, there's no excuse. There's really no excuse. Yeah, there's just not. Yeah, um, and we can do better. There's tons of great yeah. actors of color, all colors out there. Right. Hire us. Hit yeah. us up. We will exactly. tell you about our experiences. We'll make your show better. <laughs> you tell them a lot. <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> The moral of the story, you know, don't don't buy into these stereotypes and uh, yeah, create your own art. Yeah, turn a mirror on society and exactly uh, show them what's up. Yeah, there yeah. you go, guys. Well, <laughs> that was that's our, our our episode for the day for the night. Thanks for tuning in. We will be with you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.